welcome back to another season of Remotely Speaking Up. Join me, Dr. Rochelle Haynes, and my special guests every week as we discuss how the way we work continues to change and how companies and their people can continue to thrive no matter where and how they work. For more on our podcast, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Remotely Speaking Up. Stay tuned for more. So, I mean, I can just tell you a bit about myself. So as Rochelle mentioned, um, I have a company, Digitalize, um, where I'm the founder, managing director. And what that really is, is a bit of a boutique consulting company um, where I provide OD strategy, OD solutions, um, a lot of them which are digital um, for our modern workforce. So for companies um, pretty much across the globe at this point. Um, in addition to that, my, what I say, my nine to five is at Gildan. And as she said, I'm also do a bit of organizational development there. And I cover our global SMD. That's what we, how we say it. So you don't have to say sales, marketing and distribution. So our global SMD locations. Yeah, you should have told me that easier. earlier. I think <laughs> my apologies. It's much easier that way. But yeah, so that's what I cover. So everything related to organizational development. So there's a bit of talent management, there's learning and development. Um, there's a bit of workforce planning and things like succession planning performance management um, and employee engagement which has become really big recently employee experience um, yeah so that's kind of my my portfolio wow a portfolio is right that's a lot of things that you covered <laughs> just in one breath and that's your nine to five and you have this company outside as well I think actually you're a perfect reflection of how the world of work is changing with more people yeah. and the sort of um, dual careers and portfolio careers so I know that you're very, in fact, just for our audiences, let's take a step back. We know about, we talk a lot about HR and human resource management, human resource development. Where does OD fit into that? What are we talking about when we say organization development? Oh my goodness, that's such a big question. And I think that's still, still a debate in the OD community. What is OD? Like that is like the, <laughs> the taboo question of the day. Like you can get into that. Question. Question. <laughs> but as it relates to, I guess, in relation to to HR, they're pretty much very interrelated. Um, so OD looks at things like, um, I would say like change management and really organizational efficiency and competitiveness from a people perspective. So things like structure. Um, so we do things like techno-structural interventions, um, things like human process interventions. So individual interventions, group team building, that kind of stuff. Um, and we also look at, like, I would say strategy, so supporting the people strategy aspect as well. So OD is in, a, in, a, in and of itself a big portfolio, when it, especially in, in the organization and linked to HR. Um, but on its own, I would say it's really about that science and practice of um, more or less organizational effectiveness. And there's a big component of change management there as well. Yeah, I imagine there's a lot to do with productivity and efficiency and making Correct. the workforce suitable for that as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And where does Digitalize come in, your company? 
<laughs> so Digitalize is kind of like my, I want to say my baby, like I launched that years, years ago, and it kind of came back because um, there was demand around the whole pandemic time as well. Um, so what I do there is a lot of companies will reach out and say, we have this OD problem, um, or we have this area that we think needs an OD solution. And I would kind of pretty much just strategize around that either in tandem with their HR lead. So it's a lot of like HR support who may not have um, like an in-house OD resource kind of offering them services that way um, and also a lot of other digital solutions so things like ebooks and guides and resources for their teams or things that they will use with employees as well um, that's the bulk of what I do through digitalized ah, okay so what are you seeing as some of the changes because I know you well you you see on both times you're based in the you're in um, Barbados um, mm -hmm. but you consult from there globally and we've seen with the pandemic that that has increased where not only like yourself, people, there's more persons freelancing in, the, in addition to, to their full-time jobs, but also the general mix of the workforce is changing. What, yeah. How does that affect um, the space of OD? That's a, that's a good question. So I would say um, you see a lot of in terms of OD and OD practitioners, a lot of us are working are working remotely. We don't have to be in office um, five days a week, nine to five, because of the way we do a lot of what we do. Um, but for the most part, what I've seen is that there's a bit of a hybrid mix. In terms of impacting OD and OD solutions in the organization or in organizations um, pretty much across the globe, um, there is a bit of what I say, um, the funny analogy that I would use to reference it is kind of like a relationship. So you usually have the guy in the relationship who was like, you know, let's do things this way, you know, pretty much very, uh, I don't want to say unemotional, but you know how, <laughs> how, how typical that can be. And then you tend to have um, the person in the relationship who is no touchy feely, that kind of stuff. And I think if you look at it in terms of like work design and how we're, how we're designing work, a lot of organizations, um, are looking at the re-engineering of their processes in terms of rethinking how work is done. And they're looking at it in terms of restructuring these business processes pretty much around productivity and the digital, um, I guess, influx, we can say that we've seen in the last two years. And then you have um, employees. I don't want to say they're the touchy-feely ones, but you know, they're kind of the persons that are saying, you know, like, you know, like, I want to see a bit more job enrichment for me. So it's almost at two different ends of the spectrum. And that's why I kind of do deal with it in relationships. You know, you tend to have that person that is very matter of fact. Sometimes you have both touchy feely persons. It does happen, right? And so you're kind of like, you're the marriage counselor in between. <laughs> pretty much. So I'm there in marriage counsel, marriage counseling, pretty much just negotiating <laughs> um, and kind of trying to wade through, like, no, what's the balance? Because there needs to be a balance of both. And I think from an OD perspective, as we look to, as we say, we, we, we always seek to drive positive, positive change uh, from a people perspective. How can we really marry the two? Um, in a way that is meaningful to both the company and its, its bottom line, as well as to people and what they want out of life and their ever-evolving needs as well. Ah, well, that's that's quite a, a hard balance to strike. Um, mm -hmm. You're trying to please two masters at once. So I imagine it must be very interesting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so absolutely. And what about... Um, Let's say in doing that, what do you see are the things that companies struggle with the most as they're trying to prepare for this new sort of context? 
Um, I, th I think it's battling through, through change. I mean, most people are resistant to change in some, some way or another. Um, and it's kind of encouraging people to think about, you know, what is the outcome that I want? What does it look like? Reimagine, rethink um, the future and what that should look like and kind of get in there. And I heard, I'm trying to remember, this is really good saying that people don't move unless where they are, are is more uncomfortable than where they're going. Mm -hmm. And I think people like where they are, it's comfortable, you know, this is the way I've always done things, but kind of getting persons to see, you know, there's bigger benefits um, to changing and ad adopting new practices, adopting new ways of doing things and moving forward. So it's always that kind of like that struggle between, you know, here is comfortable. This is what I've known for 20 years. This is what I've known for 40 years. And how do I move into what's next? Um, so I think that's kind of like one of the, the biggest hiccups you tend to face um, from a people perspective. Um, and then there is in the adapting of that, of course, there's for me, who, who my background was traditionally L&D, there's that skills perspective as well that kind of comes in. Mm. Um, so persons are saying, you know, well, I've used Excel all my life. What is <laughs> this other tool you want me to use <laughs> kind of thing? Um, so it's an interesting, an interesting um, intermingling of a lot of different factors, but I find getting persons to kind of embrace new skills as well. Um, it's also a definitely another challenge. And then as fast as you embrace a new skill, you need another one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so getting people in that mode for continuous learning is, is def definitely a critical piece. I feel like every single week on the show, I say it's about mindset. It's always about mindset. And I feel like so many times in that digital space as well, where we're tackling digital transformation and we've heard from all the reports that more than 80 percent of companies fail in that area and it always is exactly down to what you said getting people to actually embrace the change mm -hmm. and it's, it's a funny thing with LD as well because I think there's always this fear of when the company changes it means that there'll be a reduction of jobs or certain jobs will disappear so then that kind of comes that makes people naturally resist as well have you seen I think even if jobs don't disappear there's this concern in that I become less valuable and mm -hmm. I've spent so much of my time whether it be building up my my value to the company in terms of social capital or skills capital whatever way I've done so right so it's not just I lose my job but I lose something that is of, of value to me because my ability, whether we think it is vain or not, my ability to add value to the company be something a person takes absolute pride in, right? Yeah. And to lose that is definitely a hard conversation to have or the fear of losing that because it's, that's not necessarily true, is it? But it's that yeah. fear that is kind of in it in persons for sure. I like that. I don't really hear that perspective quite often. And, and you're absolutely right, because it's almost like you're asking people to start with a blank slate again. And it's it can, that can be very intimidating in itself. Mm -hmm. And then the actual pressure of learning and then applying the learning as well. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's just there's going to be a learning curve and, you know, there's a starting point on the learning curve. Yes, they're going to go up and it's going to be great, but there's that starting point And that brings <laughs> that brings such fear and resonates in such a negative way with persons oftentimes. So it's kind of thinking about how do I, how do I as a leader, how does this company get buy-in from the people um, and how can the company support persons in that transition as well? Mm. So what would you advise to, let's say, persons 
who manage people um as you you were just talking about the leaders so what about um hr leaders and business leaders um are those who are involved with people management um mm -hmm. what should they be looking to do in that space oh dear um i think it starts with getting to know people um, having those critical conversations, you're going to have to spend some time reassuring your team, um, seeing what and understanding what they value. And a lot of times when I talk to leaders, um, I always say this and they look at me like I'm a crazy person. I'm just, I promise you I'm not. But figuring <laughs> out what motivates your people and what values them yeah. is crucial to everything you'll do <laughs> on, in, in your leadership of them. Right. So what makes them tick? Um, what inspires them, what gets them up in the morning and kind of leveraging that and seeing how you can leverage yeah. that um, as you lead them through change is really important. I agree. And I think it sometimes what hinders that as well is you can find that, what's, what do I want to say, like a, the, the influence of the organizational culture or the way of the accepted way of managing. I know a lot of companies uh, and in a lot of Caribbean islands, we're used to a very sort of paternalistic, authoritarian sort of mm -hmm. management. Mm -hmm. And right now we're talking about, well, getting to know the employees, creating a more experimental space. Then mm -hmm. I know there's this fear also on the leader side about giving up control. Or mm -hmm. one person said to me before, well, if I do that, I'll appear soft. I don't want to appear soft to the employees. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's there's also so there's a fear of kind of like appearing soft. And but there's also that, you know, like, this is just new to me. How do I navigate it? Um, this doesn't match with my style. How do I marry it into my style? And I always tell persons, when I'm doing my leadership training, for example, I'm not trying to you know, create a 180, you know, I'm trying to teach you some critical skills that you can apply, how you see fit when it's needed, um, and create a bit more of a flexible approach. And I, I it's definitely needed, I would say, in the Caribbean, but you see it, you see it <laughs> yeah. far and wide and beyond, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where should they start? What, what would you say in that space are the top three skills? Because we're talking about reskilling employees, we're talking about mm -hmm. And what leaders should watch out for as well. What should be the top three skills that HR leaders should be trying to enhance to make this more possible? Wow. Top three skills HR for themselves in themselves? Yeah. An yeah. yeah. To achieve the things that you say we need to achieve. Um, Just in your opinion. I would say metrics. Um, and I would say metrics because if you don't know where you are, and you can't measure it, you can't track it, right? So I'm always big on like measuring and tracking. And I remember like every time I join an HR team, I'm like, how do you measure that? How are you tracking that? How do you know that's true? Yeah. Can you prove it? Um, do you have a number for that? <laughs> that's like, that's saying, it's like, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And exactly, that's right? Yeah. So I think people analytics, and then there's the question of what to measure in it. But I think you, you think about your outcomes, um, what's the outcome you want to want, you want to achieve, and then how can you, what are some metrics you can put in place to kind of track that. So I say metrics for HR leaders. Um, in terms of what other skills can I talk about for HR leaders? You've put me on the spot with that one. No, Rosh, um, I'll take um, you. <laughs> I, I, say, I say coaching um, a lot of times. I would agree. The HR, the HR journey, we tell people what to do. Manage leaders come to us and they're like, you know, um, I have this 
issue with my employee or whatever the case may be, and we kind of just give them the answers. Um, so we don't build that bench strength that we need from our leaders. <laughs> so what we need to do is kind of get better at coaching. Um, what are some things that I can do um, to, to improve my, my coaching skills? And there are two things that you can do to improve your coaching skills, which is just ask better questions. So don't give the answer, ask questions to kind of help to guide them there and then just active listening, right? So those are two things that will help you to kind of build that, those coaching skills. I think you make a really interesting point there when you mention about the outputs and concentrating on the outputs, because I think that in itself is a shift that a lot of companies are still coming to grips with, because so often, especially when we're talking about new ways of working, often we associate work with being in one place and being present there. And now we're saying you're working remotely, you're working hybrid, or maybe you're working independently as a contractor or a consultant. I know the company is struggling with, well, how do we know they're actually, our money is worth it and we're paying them what we should. And you're very much right in that point about focusing on outputs and not the process. I think so hard we try to manage how people are doing things rather mm-hmm. than looking at the actual results. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's a conversation you can have until the end of time. Um, again, it's another mindset mindset change. Yes. <laughs> and all of that great stuff right um but yeah i i mean managers are accustomed or have been traditionally accustomed not all of them but many of them managing persons by hours right so if i see rochelle in her chair for 40 hours a week i know she's a good employee if i see her for 48 She's a great employee. When 40 of those hours might be on Facebook. <laughs> exactly, right? And people are skilled in the art of looking busy. Yeah. Uh, so it's really about, about output. And I think we have to help, as HR leaders, help managers to think about what, what is the output that is required. Um, and they do oftentimes need a bit of support. You know, I have managers that would come to me, or even um, external companies. You know, people would just come to me and say, hey, I'm having this problem. Um, with this employee da, 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 I say you know is she doing the work <laughs> is the work complete is it being completed on time okay so think about it do you really have an issue here? <laughs> I hope that's where the light bulb comes on <laughs> they're like dumbfounded they're like oh, like you probably don't you know you have a preference and that's okay we all have our preferences I have a preference of how I like employees to show up employees have a preference as it relates to how they want their managers to show up but we've got to be flexible yeah right and I think if we let outputs um and outcomes as that's the that's the thing we really want we're so much we're, we're better able to be flexible in other areas, right? So um, for me, I'm not a morning person. I'm a night person, right? So I, I, I heard a, a person say one time, um, you need to be able to manage energy. It's better that you manage the energy of your team and think, figuring out how you can do that. I'm just like, what? And when they explain it, they explain it so so beautifully. I'm sure that I'll... That I'll sounds just... like Perry Tims. He's the energy <laughs> guy when it comes to HR. <laughs> but it's but it's important, right? Because you know that, like for me, I my, my hours of productivity are somewhere between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Like that's it. 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. I can work until, you know, great work, great output, creativity. Um, that's when I work best. But I find um, for... For 
that's not the case for everyone. Some people work well in the morning, etc. And I think if you kind of treat people as human and going back to that people centric aspect, um, you're, you're able to get better outputs anyways. And if the outputs is the goal, you're golden. Yeah. And I think I, I, I long for the day when companies truly embrace that because it's such a shame to see that after everything that's happened in the last two years, now, on the other side, I can't even say we're fully on the other side, but still coming out of it, mm-hmm. you have these big bosses all over the world that you think should know better that are now saying, get back in the office. <laughs> the remote office. workers are lazy. Remote <laughs> workers, are, it's, it's horrible to see because it's like a regression of everything that, that mm-hmm. you've actually learned. Um, yeah. And I think that just thinking about like remote work and looking at organization design and even leveraging things like um, contract workers and persons, freelancers, etc. If we get away from managing butts and seats mm-hmm. into managing outputs, you'll be better able to leverage those types of resources much to the benefit of the company, right? Absolutely. Just going back to organizational design as well, what do you think are some of the key changes or ways that organizations can innovate given that they're working now with such a new mix or blend of people or blends of work approaches, let's put it that way. Obviously there's a technology component and I think a lot of companies, believe it or not, are doing that aspect of it better. I think the the, the part that is not so clear is the people component. Um, there's been not enough, but a good set of research has come out that shows that, um, when you have, when you leave hybrid work arrangements open to employees, certain subsets of employees are disadvantaged. Mm. Um, So I know as much as people are saying, you know, like, give me hybrid, let me choose my days, for example, you know, that can be detrimental to certain people women who may be at home taking care of kids, et cetera, may be feeling that burden and say, okay, well, I just want to come into the office two days a week. Men who may have that support system at home may say, okay, I'll work five days. I'll work four days, four days, four days. So then there's a, there's a mismatch or there's a disparity between, again, people who are looking to see butts and seats. First class and second class workers. Yes, absolutely. So I think that we have to, be mindful. One of the things that I, I really like to put out there is be mindful of how we look at visibility mm. in addition to output, right? Yeah. So is it a case that um, how, how do we recognize achievements and visibility and all of that kind of stuff? So there's a, there's an element of like recognition and reward, et cetera, um, that is tied closely into this. Um, and I think that companies have to spend more time looking at that to make sure that people are not disadvantaged or even disenfranchised because of hybrid work and those kind of systems that we're putting in place, or rather we have to put systems in place. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think also to kind of address that as well, there's a lot to be said for innovation in the way in which you redesign office spaces as well. Because if it is that your workforce is changing, you have some people coming and some people going, um, maybe all, maybe it might need for a sort of restructuring of the space in a way that you don't create that, as you said, in terms of that focus on visibility, that focus on who's in and so forth. So I know a lot of offices, for example, are doing, um, they're getting really creative in the space where they're thinking about, okay, how can we create um, let's say redesign this office to be more of a social space so when employees come and pop in and go 
And it's not a matter of who's here all day and who's not. So I think there's room for creativity there as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so kind of making sure that the focus is more collaboration mm-hmm. than like, this is Khadija's seat. I haven't seen Khadija in her seat, her assigned seat for, you know, two, three days, four days, what have Absolutely. you. Yeah. 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 I agree. So that's part of the system that you put in place to kind of support that. Right. So figuring out, mm-hmm. okay, um, what does my office space look like? would yeah. be a good yeah, one of the ways. So there, there, there are a couple of things to, to kind of tick the boxes on, but I think that just being mindful of, I'm not disadvantaging um, anyone as I kind of implement that hybrid and remote work for our people. Yeah. And you have to have that mindset going in rather than thinking mm-hmm. about it after. after the fact, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of what we're doing because of COVID. We kind of just made the quick shift and now we're thinking about, yeah. okay, these are some things that I need to have in after the fact. Yeah. yeah just reflecting on it now that you have the time <laughs> to yeah, actually think yeah. about it. Which is good in a way because as you said, it's like we're responding to panic, but now you actually have the time to look Plan back and see work. what was good and what wasn't. Thank you so much, Khadija, for joining us. And just before we go, of course, you said you're going to share with us your funniest remote work story. So do tell. I heard this one is a doozy. (laughs) No pressure. I've heard this happen to other people as well. So hopefully, you know, I'm sure I'm not alone. So I started my job at Gildan and I started remotely. So I started, you know, renting, I got my laptop, my office equipment, that kind of stuff, came home, set up. So I was working remotely for probably about seven months before going into the office. So on my first day in the office, you know, I'm walking in, people are looking at me really weird. They're like, you know, what's something, you know, what's going on? What's going on? One brave person comes up and says, I thought you were tall. Oh, seen <laughs> you on the screen all day, every day. I thought you were like five nine, five ten, maybe six foot tall. Your voice is so big. I thought you were a tall person. I feel that's a there. compliment in a way. That, that <laughs> It's kind of like a double-edged sword, that one. It could be an insult, but it could also be a compliment. Yeah, and they're all five foot five standing up saying, you know, I've dealt with wanting to be tall all my life. This is hitting uh-huh. me in all the soft spots. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? And I heard it, like, for the first three weeks, like, every time I met new people, oh, I thought you were tall. I thought you were going to be tall. There was something about you that I thought was tall. <laughs> So that's that's that for you though you can hide all these things that you don't necessarily want people to see from the camera <laughs> have a good angle so I, I like the idea that remotely working I'm a tall person nice nice <laughs> <laughs> so if I ever meet you in person I, I have that expectation don't mention her height <laughs> don't mention my height no don't do it don't and I was wearing heels when they said so I was like how much taller did you want me to be <laughs> is there is there a requirement to work here <laughs> Yeah, so that was my, uh, that was my, yeah. every time I, so I started on a board um, remotely as well. So when I met them in person, I was like, you're a short person. <laughs> so when you put it like that, this so <laughs> insulting. Like, nothing's wrong with being short, but when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's really, so that's, that's my, my funny remote work experience, you know, oh nothing else God. too embarrassing, you know, just the, just the height. <laughs> Don't believe me. We, trust me. We, we've had all the um, pants down stories. So that's refreshing. <laughs> nice, nice to mix it up a bit every once in a while. Yeah, happy to happy to mix it for you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And Khadija, just tell us our audience before we go, where can they find you? 
Oh my goodness. You can find me on LinkedIn. I think that's where most people find me. Um, and from LinkedIn, you can have pretty much all of my contact information there if you want to find me. But LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with being short, but when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's really, so that's that's my my funny remote work experience, you know, oh nothing else God. too embarrassing, you know, just the, just the height. <laughs> Don't believe me, we, trust me, we, we've had all the um, pants down stories, so that's refreshing. <laughs> nice, nice to mix it up a bit every once in a while. Yeah, happy to, happy to mix it for you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And Khadija, just tell us, our audience, before we go, where can they find you? Oh my goodness. You can find me on LinkedIn. I think that's where most people find me. Um, and from LinkedIn, you can have pretty much all of my contact information there if you want to find me. But LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Well, thank you so much, Khadija, for joining us and for really just giving us a better understanding of what we mean by OD. Because as you said, people know of OD in the HR space, but often I think there's a very sort of basic or generalized understanding of what that actually involves. So especially in this new context that we've talked, that we've been talking about, I think you've made it make a lot more sense. <laughs> so thank yeah, you so great. much for that. Yeah. Well, my pleasure. Awesome. So thank you again, and thank you to our audiences for listening. And if you want to find Khadija, that is Khadija Moore on LinkedIn. K A D no K H A D I J A. Is that right? No, there we go. Past yeah. test <laughs> almost failed. <laughs> So that's Khadija Moore on LinkedIn. So take care and thank you again for joining us for another episode of Remotely Speaking Up. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our podcast series. To find out more, follow us at Remotely Speaking Up on Instagram or go to www.crowdpotential.co.uk for our services. Until next time.